Welcome to Transformation for Success with Dr. Barbara Young. If you're looking for something more, something different, something better, this is your opportunity. Over the next hour, we'll talk about inspiration for personal and professional success. Now, here is your host, Dr. Barbara Young. Well, hello there, and I hope you're having a fantastic day. Welcome to the Transformation for Success show, and I am very pleased today to have as my guest in the studio, Miss Rickland Woods, who's a speaker, leadership facilitator, and career coach, who's going to share her transformational journey today. Just in way of background about Miss Woods, she was a high school dropout and a mother at 17 years of age. She's going to share how she beat the odds of being a single parent to become a first-generational college graduate. At the age of 39, she graduated from the University of Phoenix with a BA in psychology. This outstanding young woman was selected as one of the motivational speakers at her graduation with 10 thousand individuals in attendance. Rickland is also a certified human resources professional. Her mission is to help non-traditional students like herself align their educational pursuits with their passion and career goals. You know, I am happy because truly Rickland is an example of a remarkable young woman whose dream was deferred, but she never gave up. So I want you to stay tuned as you're going to learn more about my guest today. And if you're not able to listen to the show live, I invite you to download the show later and tell your friends uh, about this show, as I'm sure they're going to get a lot of information today from my guest, Miss Rickland Woods. So now let me welcome and present my guest, Miss Rickland Woods. Hi, Rickland. How are you? Good afternoon, Dr. Young. I'm well. How are you today? I'm fantastic. Now, should I call you Wicklin or Miss Woods? Which would you prefer? Uh, I'm going to say Dr. Woods. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Woods in the making. Um, you know, Wicklin is fine. Thank you. Okay. Well, Ricklin, I am really delighted to have you on the show today, and you have had a very, very interesting background, and I'm sure many, many people are going to be really warmed and encouraged, I should say, by your testimony today of all the accomplishments that you have achieved. So, I want to invite the listeners out there, if you'd like to call in today's show and join the discussion, you can call me at 888 888- Three four six nine one four one, and if you're international, you can call at zero zero one four eight zero five five three five seven five four. You can also email me at info at transformationforsuccess dot com. You can Skype your comments to me and Rickland, and don't be shy because we do welcome your feedback. I'm on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn, and you can also access me access me through these channels. So let me again welcome you, Rickland, and listen, you've had quite a journey and a very interesting life. So I want you to share with the listeners some of your early jam- uh, journey. Share what happened uh, that you became a mother at 17 years of age. Yeah, you know, it's um, life happened. Um, You know, all through childhood Mm -hmm. and high school, I was definitely college bound, but Mm -hmm. made some choices um, Mm -hmm. that changed the trajectory of my life and and became a mother at 17, Mm -hmm. um, left high school, got my GED, and really just became focused on being a mother and working and taking care of my my child. School became Mm -hmm. kind of a secondary back burner for me. Well, you know, one of the things I I, I know, um, because I've heard many stories like this and actually share a similar story, what, how did this impact your life, uh, more or less, you know, sort of dropping out of school and your concentrate uh, on on being a mother? What were some of your your thoughts and and walk me kind of through your progression uh, when you're in high school and then you decided to finish high school and then go on to college? I want to know, sort of walk me through that trajectory of how you came to that knowledge that I want to finish high school and I want to go to college. What was happening? Sure. 
Well, finishing high school was, was, was never really an option for me. It was important for me. I just uh-huh. took an alternative route. Um, I'm uh-huh. sure there may be others who felt similar, but I went through uh-huh. a phase where I kind of had I felt like I'd outgrown the traditional high school and um, was ready to kind of be an adult or so I thought. So I, yeah. I went an alternate route and I did get my GED right away. So I did finish my GED actually before my son was born and, uh-huh. um, you know, got into my career. Um, never uh-huh. lost sight of school, but it just became very difficult when you're trying to raise a family, keep food on the table to really uh-huh. stay focused. So I took classes for many years, off and on, for like 23 uh-huh. years, I would take a class here or there, and uh-huh. I managed to get pretty decent jobs, but, you know, uh-huh. I, I wasn't making the kind of money that I wanted to make. I didn't feel fulfilled in some of the work that I was doing, um, so I, I pretty much was on that road for a good stretch of time until um, probably 2012. Um, When 2012 Uh came around, my oldest son had graduated high school. I'm still, you know, don't have a degree, trying to make Uh my way through corporate America and its challenges. Uh And Uh something happened where I actually applied for a position that I had the experience for, Uh but Uh the recruiter told me that they couldn't pursue me because I didn't have a degree. Uh And I thought, wow, I've got all these years of experience and, you know, I'm being rejected because I don't have a degree. And I think that's where it became really real for me, Uh um, that Uh if I don't make this a priority, this is going to continue to plague me throughout my career. And then by this time, I I have two kids, one who's graduated high school, one who's in middle school, and I'm encouraging them to go to college. And I thought, you know, how can I encourage them to pursue their Uh degree? And I've not done the same. So I think it was those two things, that experience uh-huh. of rejection, wanting to be an example for my children, that I just had to get this done. And so from there on, I was super motivated, and I got it done in three years after that. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, uh, Rickland, I, I hear you. And, you know, like the young people say, I think uh, I feel you. I don't know if that's still a popular <laughs> expression. <laughs> but who were, who were some of the mentors in your life? I mean, you've given us reasons, sure. Uh, many of us have, and I think many people share that, where you reach a certain point in your career trajectory where you come face-to-face with, I don't have the necessary credentials or the degree to move on. Uh, did you have uh, any mentors in your life who were supporting you, encouraging you? Oh, absolutely. I actually have mm-hmm. one that, that comes to mind. Um, I actually, she was a former colleague who became a mentor and is still a, a big part of my life. But mm-hmm. she saw something in me um, when we worked together. And when I worked with her, I saw mm-hmm. her working her way up human and human resources. She had her degree and I thought, well, why can't I do what she's doing? And so Uh I really sought her out as a mentor. I invited her to lunch and I picked her brain and asked her questions and and Uh she really gave me some good career guidance and she has throughout, you know, my journey. In fact, Uh we had a conversation when I was pursuing, uh, deciding on a major for my master's degree program and we kind of had a laugh where she said she can't wait till I have kind of that alphabet suit behind my name and so right now <laughs> I do I've got quite a few letters uh-huh. that's <laughs> good that's... and they are growing so she's one person but I, I <laughs> definitely have had uh, mentors and you know my, my mother she's always been a hard worker and I've always <laughs> wanted to make her proud and uh-huh. then other extended family so I'm definitely motivated by a lot of people in my circle. Now, were you uh, a first-generation uh, college student? Yes, I was. My oh, mother uh, um, or father uh, did not um, graduate from uh-huh. college, so that was very important for me as well. well you know, um, I, I uh, was in education, and higher education, for well over 37-plus years. <laughs> I was only nine when I started. <laughs> but one of the things <laughs> that... Uh, has intrigued me, and I know this has been a challenge for many, is that many of our, in higher education, and I was with the CSU uh, system, that first-generation college students face many barriers in their pursuit of a college degree. And and I'm, for, I'm glad that you're not one of those who may have fallen by the wayside, because what happens, the retention rates for this student population has been traditionally lower than for other student populations. So I want to know, 
how difficult was it for you um, in, in terms of some of the factors that may have helped you to persist and stay in college? That's a great, a great question, a great point, and, and a great mm-hmm. question um, mm-hmm. because it was financially challenging, and I had to make mm-hmm. some very difficult decisions with regard to mm-hmm. student loan debt and things of that nature because uh-huh. there wasn't really mm-hmm. a plan in place. So, mm-hmm. um, education became so important to me that I mm-hmm. was, you know, willing to go into debt. Um, but it wasn't without challenge. There were some classes I didn't get to take because I couldn't afford the classes. So um, mm-hmm. that's kind of one of the things that, that made the journey take so long is because I had to pay for it, too. So, yeah, right, um, but right. Just, you know, I just, you know, once I made my mind up, I didn't lose sight of the goal, and it became a really by any means necessary, I'm going to get mm-hmm. this done. And so that's how I arrived to where I am today. Well, you know, I, I think that is so Wonderful that you were able to, you know, say, well, at all costs, anything, I'm going to do this. This next question is sort of a rhetorical one, but one that I've long wanted to, you know, see how we could grapple with this and maybe uh, look at how can the universities better support low-income first-generation students to graduation. Have you thought about that? I mean, I just, you know, I think we're, we're at my heart is how we can become, you know, more um, conscious that we have a lot of low-income, first-generation students, but we want them to persist to graduation as you did. So how have you thought about how the universities can better support low-income, first-generation students to graduation? You know what, that is also a great question, and I'm I'm really glad that you brought that up. I'm I'm going to kind of in it a little bit. Um, from, sure. So I graduated college and now I have a college student. And one of the challenges that I've had um, trying to help my son get through school is help him pay for college because I, mm-hmm. I didn't have a mm-hmm. college savings plan for him either. Um, mm-hmm. But what? But the, the way that it, I'm a single mother, you know, I have mm-hmm. a decent income and I've not been eligible for him to get financial aid and grants. And so I think you bring up a great issue. It's something I think about, I've talked about with other people, um, and it's been a challenge for me to, you know, continue to help him so that he can Uh continue um, his Uh education. So I think it's a great topic, maybe for another another discussion, but there's definitely an opportunity, um, you know, for us to to Uh look at that and see what colleges can do to help, because it's very expensive um, and it's difficult, especially for um, you know, single parents, uh, even two-parent households to try to put kids through school. Right. Well, you know, um, we have uh, a couple of challenges, and I'm always, in fact, I'm personally interested and motivated to learn more about your experience, but how um, can we prepare students, and particularly students of color, not only academically, but how to help them understand what college life is about and helping them to, to develop a personal goal to attend college. Now, these, these may be rhetorical questions, but, you know, you've gone through the process. And as you start to reflect and look back, and of course, now you have your own child who's going through, because I know for a fact that Many of the students, the younger generation, they are not prepared academically. And then to go into college, you know, and then have financial cost be a challenge, as well as maybe taking some remediation courses or because now you have got to have math, you've got to be prepared in English. So give me a little bit of your thoughts about about this and how you are able to manage and graduate, you know, and get good grades. Well, I I love that topic because this is also something I've um, pondered over and had conversations about. It really begins in high school, and I think there is Mm -hmm. a huge opportunity um, for programs, whether it's, you know, within the school system or outside agencies coming in um, to really help with that college readiness and um, career preparedness. I think most Mm -hmm. people, including myself, you know, the goal is to go to college, but oftentimes without a clear vision of what you're even going to do, you know, mm-hmm. with that education when you get it or what classes you're going to take. I'm often frustrated with um, the high school system and um, mm-hmm. the way it's set up that there are these core classes that you just have to take. And they may not even be classes that are going to be 
beneficial um, for mm-hmm. someone to transition into career. Um, so I do think there's a huge opportunity to really get with high school students to try to figure out, you know, what are their interests? What are they mm-hmm. passionate about? You know, what mm-hmm. are they, how are they going to make a difference, um, you know, using their skills, gifts, and abilities? Um, that conversation doesn't start happening until after high school, um, often after college. Although my trajectory was, you know, late, mm-hmm. one of the things mm-hmm. I'm grateful for is my mm-hmm. work experience and life experience helped me to be clear about mm-hmm. what I wanted to do with my education. Mm-hmm. So if I'd gone to high school fresh out of college, which I'm not, I encourage anybody to do that when you can, I know that my my goals would have changed after I got a degree. I would have probably gotten a degree in, in business and later mm-hmm. learned that that really wasn't where my passion was. So I think once I was clear with what I wanted to do, how I wanted to make an impact in the world around me, it helps me to be more focused in school. Okay. And so if we that could get in front of great. kids earlier, mm-hmm. that would be great. Mm-hmm. That's great. And I, I really want to thank you for taking time to sort of, you know, answer some of these questions. I know a lot of them, I mean, we don't have all the answers, but I want to thank you for sharing, uh, Rickland, and it's just a delight to have you on the program. We're going to take a quick break and we're going to come back. And I've got a lot of other questions I want to ask you. So listeners, stay tuned. And we'll be right back. And don't hesitate to call in if you've got a question or two. And thank you for listening. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. Can you think of anybody who does not want a better life and to be a better person? Think about that for a second. Almost everyone wants to be better, but how does one go about doing that? One thing that is making people better every week is tuning into the Self-Improvement Show with Dr. Irene Conlon. All real change comes from within, but many of us don't know where to find the information or guidance we need to make the changes that bring about the improvement. Most of us don't know how to work within. Listen Thursdays at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. Do you or somebody you love have a struggle with abuse? You don't need to be a slave to your abuse anymore. Listen for Beyond Abuse, Beyond Therapy, Beyond Anything with Dr. Lisa Cooney. Dr. Lisa overcame struggles in her own life. Two decades of sexual, emotional, and physical abuse nearly took their toll. In her 20s, she turned her life around and set upon a path to help others. She can help you find the key to take control of your life, too. Listen every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. This is Transformation for Success. To reach Dr. Barbara Young or today's guest, please call into the program at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to info at transformationforsuccess.com. Now, back to this week's program. Well, hello there, and welcome back to my program today with my guest, Miss Rickland Woods, who's a speaker, leadership facilitator, and career coach who's sharing her remarkable transformation journey. And the title of the show today, which I just loved, was A Dream Deferred, But Never Give Up. And truly, Rickland had a dream that was deferred, but she never gave up. And so, Rickland, I am so happy you're able to share your story and how you were a high school dropout, mother at 17, but you went to work, and while you were at work, you found that you reached a certain point in your career where it was necessary to have a degree to go up that career ladder. So, and with the help of a colleague and with her help and support, and encouragement, you went back to school. One of the things that, as we were talking about uh, low income, because you were a low income first generation student, I won't say low income, but you had a first generation student who was going back to college and working full time and with children. I want to ask, how did you juggle uh, going back to school and, uh, you know, and working full time? 
Well, I will tell you, Dr. Young, it is probably the most challenging thing that I have ever done. Mm -hmm. Um, It was a huge sacrifice because I worked full-time the entire time I was in school, and so that Mm -hmm. meant evenings and weekends for, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, studying, doing homework, even while shuffling the kids to basketball practice, I would be in the bleachers with the book studying. So Mm -hmm. I sacrificed a lot in terms of socializing with peers and and others. The school Mm -hmm. was the priority. I think that's where it has to be. The focus has to be, this is my priority. Um, you know, one of the questions, too, while we were on break and I was sort of uh, doing a sidebar conversation, and my question is, should everyone, do you believe everyone should seek a degree? And you said no. And I <laughs> and I wondered, uh, <laughs> what was the reason for your yeah. no? <laughs> yeah, I know. At, to, to hear that, some would say, what, what does she mean no? Well, mm-hmm. I, I think that's an honest answer. I think it really depends on the individual because it is a true commitment um, of mm-hmm. time, money, you know, et cetera, to um, pursue a degree. And so you got to be clear about your commitment level and be clear about what it is you want to achieve in life. So mm-hmm. there are mm-hmm. alternatives. I have several certificates that I obtained um, before even completing my degree program, and, and they're growing. Mm-hmm. So the various industries have various certification programs. Um, that is also an option. Um, mm-hmm. So I think it's a matter of just being clear of what you want, understanding that some career um, routes are going to require a degree. So you'd have to be okay with that and understand what's required for the career mm-hmm. that you're looking to pursue. But, you know, it, a degree may not be in, in everyone's best interest mm-hmm. depending on their mm-hmm. situation. Now, I'm going to ask you this question, too, because what was your dream that got deferred? Wow. You know, um, in, in terms of a long-term dream, mm-hmm. my dream was to become an author. Um, wow. And, <laughs> and so that is in the works, and I am actually working on my first book as we speak. However, I don't believe I could have made it to this place had I not taken <laughs> this journey, had I not pursued the education and learned what I have learned along the way. So it's all part of the dream. Well, you know, I think that's wonderful. And here again, you know, you had a dream and that dream was to be an author. Now, in retrospect, you can see how all of the things that you went through come into play and probably will make this an outstanding book if it's about your journey or about some of the things you learned. Um, what One of the things, um, what were the, the principal strategies for success did you find that worked for you? Hmm. I think that that's a great a great question. I think um, one of the things I, I grappled with over the mm-hmm. years was being a non traditional student. So I mm-hmm. think I had this vision in my mind that I had to go on campus, that I had to, you know, carry my backpack around and be a traditional student. So I had to come to terms with. Nothing about my life thus far has been traditional anyway. So <laughs> I started exploring and uh-huh. really being okay with non-traditional methods. So mm-hmm. um, my bachelor's degree completed kind of a hybrid online and some on-campus classes when it made sense. Okay. My master's okay. degree was then completely on- online. I dealt mm-hmm. with some naysayers who said, you know, organizations are not going to recognize a bachelor's degree from the University of Phoenix. Mm-hmm. Not true. Um, so really coming to terms with this is my situation. You know, the next door neighbor, she may be able to go the traditional route, but that's not my story. So being clear about that. Um, mm-hmm. I also made sure that I aligned my program of study with the work that I've been doing over the past several years so that okay. my degree would complement my experience. Um, mm-hmm. rather than just going into a completely different field. And right. I think the biggest thing is that I really did, I didn't focus so much on the end goal as much as I did just taking small bites, one class mm-hmm. at a time, one mm-hmm. grade at a time, and just, mm-hmm. you know, getting through it that way. <laughs> I think that's marvelous. Um, and one of the things you, you, you stated that sort of struck me um, inwardly was one of the things is that you went a non-traditional route in terms of your program of study with an online master's degree, but you aligned it 
with your program of study and also with what you were doing related to your job. I, I think that's a major factor. Uh, maybe, you know, in your the people who were telling you, the naysayers, that they were thinking of a person who may not have a job and having an online master's degree and maybe how that would maybe not help them as much. But I think your the fact that you are already working uh, on a job and you were able to tie in and align your program of study on what you were actually working in, I guess the human resources field. And then more importantly, that, and I hope the listeners are saying this, it's because I think, believe in this so much, emphatically that you focus on the small steps. You take it day by day, a step at a time. Because mm-hmm. sometimes when you have that, that mind on that larger goal, sometimes you may get disappointed. But if you just take step by step, you'll find you're at the top of the mountain. You said, oh, my goodness, because those small steps lead to that big mountaintop experience. So I am so proud of you. And thank you so much for sharing What's important to you, um, Ricklin, at this point in your career? You know, at this point, it's really, um, you know, I'll, I'll quote uh, one of my favorite quotes by Maya Angelou is, when you learn, teach. And so mm-hmm. I've been through so much on this journey, and I mm-hmm. really find that I'm fulfilled when I'm able to share and educate mm-hmm. others on, you know, what I've learned. I'm professed to have all the answers, but I have mm-hmm. experienced a lot. So right now, I want the work that I do to have meaning, to make a difference in the lives of others, and to really, mm-hmm. you know, work on building the legacy that I want to leave behind as someone who came here, made a difference. I think that's wonderful. You know, and it's like you can't know uh, and relate to another unless you've walked in those shoes and you're able to tell somebody, I've been there. <laughs> mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. what makes you special and what drives you? <laughs> well, those are some great questions. I would probably say um, what makes me special is my tenacity. I, <laughs> while things may get delayed along the way, I never um, give up. And, and my mom often jokes and calls me a make-do woman because I'm generally going to make do with what I have and I'm going to make the <laughs> most of it. Um, so I think that is one thing that makes me, me special. And then, I'm sorry, what was your second part of that question? And what drives you? In other words, you know, what, what motivates you? You know, what you know, spurs you. Every day you get up, there's something that, you know, makes Rickman run. I like it. Mm-hmm. You know what? It, it, it is absolutely, and this may sound redundant, but um, my legacy, like there, there is what's really important to me is that my kids, their kids, that they're able to be proud of mm-hmm. who I am, what I represent and what I accomplished here, you know, on this earth. So whether it's through, you know, my day job working in human resources and making an impact on those that I touch or in the things that I do through some of my personal endeavors, that's what gets me going. Am I making my family proud? You know, when 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 yeah. I, when it's all said and done and um, you know, the folks who know me look back over my life, mm-hmm. did it matter? That's what gets me up and gets me going on a daily basis. Now, you have uh, how many children? Two? I have I have two young men, yes. Okay. Two young men. Okay. Um, how did you how do you explain to them or did you uh, talk about your early experiences with your children about, you know, getting pregnant at seventeen and not uh, finishing high school until later or, you know, getting a GED. Were you able to talk to them about that? You know what, I have, and that's not always been an easy conversation because it's easy to say, don't do what I did when you did it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, you know, while I try not to, to preach at them and allow them some space to make their own decisions with guidance, mm-hmm. um, I do let them know it's hard. You know, while I have no regrets, you have probably mm-hmm. it all over again with making some tweaks here or there, but I stress to them, it's been very, very difficult raising mm-hmm. them and trying to, um, you know, be the best me that I can be. Um, so I think just seeing my struggle has helped them. My, my oldest son is soon to be 24 years old and finishing up college. No kids yet, thank thank goodness. And then my um, youngest is a high school 
high school senior now and pretty mm-hmm. focused on school and athletics. But so far, so good. I think, you know, watching me has been a good motivator, probably even more so than the conversations that we've had, just seeing mm-hmm. my journey mm-hmm. and struggle and how I've overcome. Well, you know, I, I asked that question because um, maybe because my belief system comes into play here. When I think about how important it is uh, with a mother uh, raising two young men, to be candid and honest with them about your life uh, because mm-hmm. it shows them the authenticity and the transparency that as parents, we make mistakes. Uh, we're right. honest about them, but truly as uh, we're able to express that, it's not saying, you know, I was a perfect mom, I never got in trouble, but the fact of it is I made mistakes. I would encourage you maybe not to make that same mistake, but mm-hmm. but it is being honest. And I think uh, for me, it gets the best out of your students. It gets the best out of your children when you're honest mm-hmm. and transparent with them. I know life hasn't been easy trying to juggle. Are you a single parent or were you a single I parent? Or, mm-hmm, okay. So life I've hasn't been, a been easy. parent the whole time. <laughs> yeah. Well, life, is, I know, hasn't been easy trying to juggle being single and being a parent. Uh, and I know that you're making a difference probably, you know, not probably, but you're making a difference in so many lives, uh, your family around you who see what you're going through. But Rickland, as you sort of look back uh, in retrospect, did you see yourself as becoming this successful woman that you are today? Because I see you as a successful woman who's met her goals and you're changing the lives of, of many individuals, maybe some you don't even know about and helping them. So did, did you see yourself becoming this person? <laughs> <laughs> well, mm-hmm. thank you for that. And no, I didn't. I do think that once I became a mother, my vision became a little bit cloudy. Like I really couldn't okay. see beyond the next paycheck mm-hmm. and taking care of my kids. So it really wasn't until I delivered the, the speech at the graduation ceremony that I saw that I was successful in any way. <laughs> wow. What did you talk about? I'm intrigued. What did you talk about with 10,000 people in attendance? <laughs> you know what? It was really, it was really about my journey. The theme of my, my speech was to never give up. Um, uh-huh. And um, really just talked about the journey of, you know, becoming a college graduate. But what I found most interesting is, after the ceremony, I had people coming up to me that were, um, you know, there to support other graduates saying, wow, you just inspired me to go back to school. And, and really, oh. the, the commencement ceremony was for the graduates, but I wound up inspiring others who were there, you know, to observe the uh-huh. ceremony. So it was at that time that I thought, wow, I guess. I guess people do want to hear what I have to say. Maybe they'll want, you know, they'll be inspired mm-hmm. in some way. Oh, that's wonderful. I know you felt great. Were you nervous at all standing before uh, 10,000 people? <laughs> you know, I, I, was, I was absolutely nervous, um, but it was something that was very important for me to overcome for my kids uh-huh. to be able to experience that. Um, my oldest son is not the most warm and fuzzy, but after that ceremony, I got the biggest, tightest hug that let me know Aww. that, oh my goodness, I am so proud of my mom. Oh, <laughs> that's wonderful. Oh, I am thrilled that you were able to share that. You know, were there any, uh, no, you quoted Maya Angelou, but were there any other motivational quotes that helped you through difficult times? Or spiritual or biblical quotes that helped you during uh, some of the difficult times, because I know it isn't easy. It is not always easy. (laughs) Yeah, you know, one of the things that I lean on a lot and actually have it on my nightstand, I refer to it frequently, is the serenity prayer um, to really remind me to control the things that I can um, and not focus so much on on the things that are that are out of my control. So that's kind of how I assess what my next move is going to be. Is is this controllable? Is this something you can control and have impact? And that's really kind of been what guided me throughout this whole journey. Okay, and that's a good one to have is to really learn that that you can only control those things that you can control. <laughs> 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to. I, I am intrigued. You know that we're having this this great conversation today. And but I'm going to ask you another quick question before we go on break. Uh, what advice uh, do you give to non-traditional students today who are working and raising a family? What do you share with them if somebody comes to you and you know I, I really admire you? Uh, what can you tell me that can help me? Because I want to do what you did. You know what, um, I get the question often, and um, it's really some of what I've already shared in that, especially if you're a non-traditional student, don't be afraid to explore non-traditional methods. Uh, Even today, Mm -hmm. some of your traditional universities are adopting to, um, they're adopting online programs, full programs, because we Mm -hmm. live in an age where technology is everything. So um, I always encourage people to explore your options. Don't be limited by what you think, um, you know, is would be the most acceptable route. Um, Again, aligning your program to your current profession when when possible. Mm-hmm. I can't stress that enough because I meet a lot of people who take, you know, go through degree programs and then wonder why they can't find a job later. And oftentimes mm-hmm. it's because they've, they're have they transitioning to a whole new field with no experience and that creates a different mm-hmm. set of challenges. That's true. Um, and then I also, um, a lot of times if you've worked for a while like I did, you start to think, I don't really need a degree. I've made it this far up the corporate ladder, so I'm good without it, but I... So, can I have you hold that point? Can I have you hold that point, Ricklin? Because, wow, we're going to be right back. We're going to take a quick commercial break, and we're going to come back and answer that question. So, thank you, listeners, for hanging in there. We'll be right back. Thank you. We're on Facebook, along with some of the greatest minds of the world, and that includes you. Visit us on Facebook at Voice America Empowerment. How are you doing in your life? Do you control your life, or does it control you? In our hectic, overconnected world, do you spend too much time feeling tired and wired? Tune in to Master Your Life with hosts Leah Mattinson and Dr. Howard Rankin for inspiration, insight, and intelligence on how to gain control of yourself and your life. Along with some inspirational and knowledgeable guests, Leah and Howard will give you the tools needed to help you on your journey. Tune in every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Success starts here. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. It's your world. This is Transformation for Success. To reach Dr. Barbara Young or today's guest, please call into the program at 1 888 346 9141. That's 1 888 346 9141. You may also send an email to info at transformationforsuccess.com. Now, back to this week's program. Well, hi there, and welcome back. And I'm pleased again to have my guest today, Ms. Ricklin Woods, who's a speaker, leadership facilitator, and career coach who has been sharing her transformational journey and some of her success tidbits. You know, Ricklin is also a certified human resources professional, and her mission is to help non-traditional students like herself align their educational pursuits with their passion and career goals. And truly, this woman is the dynamic, successful person she is today because she never lost sight of a dream that she had that was deferred, but she has now completed that dream and there's more to come. So when before when we went on break, uh, Ricklin, you were talking about oftentimes when people reach a certain point in their careers, uh, they somewhat feel that they don't need that degree. So share that uh, concept. Mm-hmm. Sure, and I kind of have two um, schools of thought on that. Um, mm-hmm. Oftentimes, as you mentioned, you may get to a place or individuals may get to a place in their career where they're comfortable with their salary, their job, their title, et cetera. I don't need a degree. Well, I hear far too often that people get comfortable, something happens mm-hmm. with their company, they lose their job, and now they're on the market again with no degree. Mm-hmm. And now they're gambling, trying to make themselves marketable. So I would certainly mm-hmm. say you never know what the future is going to hold, so you always want to be mm-hmm. prepared. But 
But also, uh-huh. there's personal fulfillment that comes with um, setting a goal, completing it, and um, just the power of, you know, what education can give and the door that uh-huh. it, it opens. I've experienced that personally. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. I even had someone ask me, why are you going back for your your um, doctorate degree, are you going to make more money? Well, maybe not, but I am going to be completely personally fulfilled by Uh setting this goal Uh and accomplishing Uh it. I think that that's a noble um, uh, statement, and because it's you, it's personal, and it's about personal fulfillment. Uh, I'm, I'm just going to share this a bit. When I was uh, going to get a doctorate at age 49, I had all of the naysayers saying to me, why are you going back to get a doctorate at your age? I mean, you already have a great career. You have, you know, you've got this great job, so are you just doing this so people can call you Dr. Young? And I, you know... <laughs> <laughs> really was interesting. I said, well, and they asked me, how old will you be when you finish it? And I said, I'll be 51 because it's a three-year program at USC. And they said, 51. So people were sort of like, wow, 51 at that age. And I said, well, you know what? I'm going to be 51 anyway. 51 with a PhD, 51 without one. I'm going to be 51 anyway. But basically, I'm stepping exactly. into my destiny. You know, so I, I admire you, you know, for, for talking about that because it is about personal fulfillment. The other thing I wanted to share uh, with our listeners and with you, too, that I've had a woman on the program today who changed her career three times. So it isn't always about staying in the same career. She segued into three different careers and uh, is, is 70 now. And so who's wow. to say that you won't re-career into some other career? You know, and mm-hmm. so one of the things that I always say, don't limit yourself and put yourself in a box. <laughs> yeah, I, so, I like that. And I, I agree with that. So, uh, again, I, I'm just delighted uh, that you're on the show today. One of the things that I wanted to ask about, because you are in the H, the human resources field, um, mm-hmm. from your perspective, what do you see uh, one of the number one issues facing uh, us today as it relates to individuals seeking employment, and what should they know? What should they be prepared for? Oh, that is a great question. I'm so glad that you asked. I I would say the number one thing that I see with job seekers, those who reach out to me for guidance and support, is Mm -hmm. really a lack of clarity in terms of the job they're seeking, you know, what they're skilled at. Um, People just apply for jobs because they need a job, and I get it. And they apply for hundreds Mm -hmm. of jobs that they may or may not be qualified for, but then they wonder why their resume goes into the abyss because they lack focus. And Mm -hmm. so I think you have to be clear and you have to be focused about the job you want to get, how much Mm -hmm. money you want to make, um, you know, what does that job look like? Are you wearing a, a suit? Are you wearing casual clothes? Are you going to have an office or not? I think people need to really be clear about what their goal is, ultimate goal of their job search, and they'll, you know, probably find more opportunities to present themselves. Now, since so many people are applying online now, what is it that can have them stand out when you're having to submit your resume online? And and I'm sure as an HR professional, you guys are receiving a a number of applications online, or resumes, Mm -hmm. I should say. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a great point as well. And it is very difficult to stand out when you've got hundreds of applications Mm -hmm. coming in. So, you know, Mm -hmm. networking today, now more than Mm -hmm. ever, is Mm -hmm. really important. Um, You know, really getting immersed in in your field and attending conferences, attending networking events so you can kind of create that old-fashioned meet-and-greet situation that you Mm won't normally find in an online setting. Um, mm-hmm. I would certainly say, you know, make sure you've got a standout resume. If they do mm-hmm. come across your resume in the pile of applicants, you want something that's going to pop in a matter of, mm-hmm. you know, Mm-hmm. Second, you, where they say, this oh, is interesting more about this person. <laughs> this is interesting that you say this too, because one of the things that um, at one time, one point in my my career, um, I was uh, doing something with helping to raise funds uh, from different companies and corporations, and I remember one of the things that I learned 
was to learn as much as I could about the company that mm-hmm. I was going to be visiting. Uh, and sometimes I'd be sitting in the foyer and I'd look at their brochures and pamphlets. And I'd be at the last minute sort of reading up on the company so that when I walked in, I was able to talk to them about what I could do for that company, uh, what they did, and how I could solve their challenges. So, so I just happened to think about that. Uh, and they would like look at me and be, wow. So I'm thinking, too, when you talk about networking and people applying for jobs to make sure they really, really want, it, want to work at that company or that institution or that, you know, uh, particular venue and to be sure that they know something about that company. And what can you do for it? That might be a twist. How often do you find people who do that, Rickland? (laughs) You know what? Very, very rare. When I think back to time when I was actually sitting across from candidates in that recruiting role, you'd often hear, um, if you ask a candidate, what do you know about the company? Well, I did go on your website. So you make a great point that a lot of people don't do the research, but I understand from a candidate's perspective when you're applying for, you know, 10 different companies, Uh how do you find the time to even do that research? Well, you know, I think the saying is still true, looking for work is work. And you do have to invest the time to make sure you understand, you know, looking at their financials. Most companies you even have their financial reports online. So there's no shortage of information. As a job seeker, you just got to really invest the time, as you pointed out, to learn about the company and make that investment. I think that's good. You know, um, I'm going to go back, switch back to something I think that you had shared uh, uh, that was on your heart, and that was helping um, non-traditional students who were like yourself. Um, and I'm getting back to what do you think is the number one challenge today for non-traditional female students? Hmm. That, that's a really good question. Um, I would probably say it's really competitive right now. I think that's mm-hmm. what a lot of people don't realize that, again, with the advent of technology, there mm-hmm. are more and more people who are obtaining degrees. So mm-hmm. I think, um, you know, that's, it's already, you know, challenging in the marketplace as is competing, um, but even more so now. So it's like now is the time you got to get on board, find a program, you know, get, get to it because you're going to be left behind in a time where, you know, education is now becoming more and more accessible. So Mm -hmm. I I see that as being a a big challenge, just the competitiveness in the marketplace. Okay. Well, I do know that there are a lot of students out there today who are facing some challenges in pursuit of a college degree, including, I believe, a lack of role models and Mm -hmm. maybe not enough information about higher education, or some of the opportunities that can help, as you talked about, certificated programs, um, uh, and then also academic preparation, because you really do need to be prepared, I think, mentally, (laughs) spiritually, and Mm -hmm. physically, uh, because if you're going to work and go to school, it's going to require you to have that physical stamina to work if you have to work and go to school, as you did. So I I know... Um, and I don't know if you know this, but I was a college professor for 14 years, and I used no, to, and I, I had a lot of st- that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I had students that I taught at night, and I would have to share with them a lot of times, get something to eat, and not um, mm. Fritos and potato chips, but protein, because you need to feed the brain, because when you come here at night, uh, you're tired, you've worked all day. And I would give them tips, even just to food and exercise and walk, park out and walk to the class to get those, uh, that energy level built up when you come in the class so that mm-hmm. you can think better. So yeah. I'm saying that from that perspective. And guess what, Rickland? I taught HR management. <laughs> oh, wow. My <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> From the undergraduate oh. and graduate perspective, yes. So okay. uh, I think what, what we learn. Uh, from each other today is that, you know, we have something that mirrors one another, our trajectory, our career trajectory, and some of the things that have happened in our lives. So I'm very happy that to have had you on the show and to share with the listeners out there. And as we kind of wrap up the show, um, I want to know, what do you think's next for you? 
uh, step by step. I mean, because you're talking about a PhD or EDD, I don't know which, but, and you also talked about you writing on a book. So I know you have a plan. And so if you want to share what's next for you, I'd be delighted to hear that. Absolutely. Um, So I am in the process of launching something called the Career Imprint. And what that is, um, it actually, you know, you you actually spoke to my heart as you were speaking about just the preparedness um, Mm -hmm. for college. But what the Career Imprint is, is a college and career coaching um, business, as you mentioned, really with the mission mission to help non-traditional students like me yes. um, align mm-hmm. their educational pursuits and career goals. And what that's going to entail is, of course, your traditional career coaching things, resume, interview prep, et cetera. But an- another area that I don't see a lot of support is how to prepare for college, even as in, you know, maybe a more mature adult learner. I have a, a mm-hmm. client who's in her 60s who I just helped um, transition into an online certificate program at E. Cornell mm-hmm. University. I'm working with another um, young lady who's in her 40s who's going back to school now to pursue her bachelor's degree, and I'm helping her wow. with things like choosing a college. How do you tell, you know, if they're accredited? How do I know mm-hmm. if they're going to accept my credits? I mean, there's a mm-hmm. lot from a counseling perspective mm-hmm. that isn't offered at the university level. So, you know, my mm-hmm. goal is to help prepare and educate um, individuals who are making that decision to go back to school. You know, I, I just wrote something down. I wrote college imprint, and I wrote how to prepare for college at any age. <laughs> mm, I like that. I might have to jot that down. <laughs> you, can, you can have that title. How to prepare for college at any age. Because you don't want to put an age specific on it, but you want to, you know, because we can go back at 60. We can go back at 70. I mean, who, who's to say about age? We get so hung up on that. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think that's a great idea the career imprint, and I really, really want to thank you, Rickland, for sharing your heart today and some of your perspectives and how you see some of the challenges for non-traditional students today and some of the strategies for success that worked for you. Absolutely. I want to wish you all the best that God has available for you. I know he's a lot more, (laughs) and I know the (laughs) listeners have really taken away some wonderful information to help them as they continue their transformational journeys for success. So thank you, Rickland, for taking the time to be on the show today. And thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. You are wonderful. To my listeners, I know you've enjoyed the show today with my guest, Ms. Rickland Woods, and I welcome your feedback. Don't be shy. And again, this is Dr. Barbara Young, and I'm signing off until next Tuesday, and I want you to have a very joyful and blessed week. God bless all of you. We appreciate you joining us for Transformation for Success. Please join your host, Dr. Barbara Young, again next Tuesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time. That's 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Or join us for our replay every Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Women's Channel. Have an outstanding week.